mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting In Work, episode 72. The interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective, powered by Audio-Technica. This week, we have no review of the week. I've run out. I'm fresh out. So please hit me up with one of those five-star ratings in iTunes. Let me know what you think of the show. Hey, maybe it's a four-star. Maybe it's a three-star. I'm willing to take on any constructive feedback. Always keen to make the show better. So do that for me. Help out the show. Help the algorithm. Now, this week, we have someone that understands all about algorithms because he is BJ Mendelssohn, the author of 2012's Social Media is BS and his latest book, Privacy and how to get it back. So he's an expert, I guess, in social media. He probably wouldn't call himself that, but he is someone that has mastered or gamed the system. That first book about social media is kind of about how it's not really all it's cracked up to be. He himself has more than 700,000 Twitter followers, but he's the first to admit that building a following that way definitely isn't the be-all, end-all that a lot of experts in marketing have made it out to be. So BJ has been doing digital marketing for about 20 years. It sounds like from the interview, he got a big break when he was quite young. He had a viral website in 1999 before most of us probably even knew what the internet was. And since then, he's been working in digital marketing. He's written a whole lot of articles in that time about using social media and with all the talk in the news about Facebook, with every platform updating their terms and conditions, their privacy settings. It seems very topical, especially with the Facebook Congress news story earlier this year. BJ's somewhat of a renaissance man. He's also a comic book writer, aspiring comedian. But regardless of what he's doing, it looks very clear to me that he puts a lot of work into everything he sets his mind to. He's had a lot of success, so I thought he'd be a great guest. Here he is to talk about his books, but also what he's learnt over those many years of uh, using social media for digital marketing and looking at the internet as a tool for business. It's BJ Mendelson. Enjoy the show. Thank you so much for joining me, BJ. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's uh, great to be in the company of a writer. So your first book, Social Media is BS, is a... quite a provocative title. How did you kind of decide that that was the route you were going to take with that book? And I guess, how did you come to putting that book together? Yeah, so the book came out of a lot of research. Uh, The story I always tell people is I did two different kinds of tours. One was entirely built on social media and the other was built entirely on things that I have done in the past because I've been an online marketing person since I was 18 years old, um, going back to 1999. And so, what we found was the social media tour was a complete failure and the the tour the old-fashioned way with the big spectacle and uh it was for a military not-for-profit so we you know we had them we had an army marine corps colonel high five people and travel across america and this custom wrapped shelby mustang and that tour they're still doing today huh. so the difference between the two led me to write the book and say all right well maybe Maybe we're just not thinking about this stuff in the right way. Maybe there's another way to look at it. Interesting. So let's go a bit into your background because I find that, you know, anyone who's written something had to kind of become, you know, a good writer to get to that point or in your case, an expert in something which would be social media. So you say that you were in digital marketing since 1999, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's when social media came out, all it was, was essentially stuff that I had already done under a new name. And so I was kind of like, okay, well, that this, this seems appealing to me because they've just repackaged a bunch of old stuff. But yeah, since 1999, I've fallen ass backwards into, <laughs> uh, you know, I had like a viral website in high school that got me on like the, the regional radio and got a bunch of coverage. And then I had companies like Sears and Ogilvy that come to me and Sprint saying, Hey, can you do like viral marketing for us? So, 
Uh, yes, yeah, since I was 18, I was working in that space. What was the website, if I can ask? Yeah, so I decided that my high school took itself too seriously. Yeah. Essentially, it was it was a comedy site that just mocked everybody uh, ruthlessly. And yeah, it was done. It was done in a very loving way. It, it's it's not like anyone was was being singled sure. out or, or bashed, but it was just everybody got uh, tweaked just a little bit, and people were like, "All right, well, this is quite funny. I'm going to share it with my friends." And then it found its way to the newspaper and to the the radio station and around the larger uh, Southern New York region. Yeah, that's funny. Okay, so what were some of those kind of lessons you learned over, I guess, fifteen years or so in in marketing that convince you okay i think i've got enough for a book and i think people will want to read about this so what what was i guess the pitch well the struggle for any author is assuming that you know i, I always assume that no one's gonna read my stuff <laughs> so um, i don't i don't really operate thinking oh well you know this will this will get people to read it i i just more or less do the research and say hopefully this will speak for itself mm-hmm. i think that the breast cancer tour and a lot of my experiences after 2008 with the great recession kind of mirrored a lot of what other people were going through with social media where uh they were trying it but it wasn't working the way that you know like a gary vaynerchuk or chris brogan or seth Godin or a guy kawasaki was presenting it and they were having a lot of issues and i kept hearing over and over again you know i'm, I'm running into uh these different problems and, and i think that's really what let me into writing the book because I, I realized it wasn't me it was other people who had these similar stories of trying something on twitter and it not working or trying something later on instagram and and not seeing the results that they had told that it would be and just the investigation of that is what really pulled all this together hmm. so over that time like i've i guess myself been somewhat of a social media manager for different companies over the years and that's been kind of like 2012 to now. And even in that time, I've seen such an incredible change in the way that people use social media and the way that social media uses what we have to, to put out there. So you must have seen an incredible level of evolution over that time when something was maybe quite basic in the beginning is now a com- complex algorithm that no one can really get their head around. The thing I tell people is it's prettier and nicer. Uh, that was the big difference between 1998 and 2008, thanks to a lot of the technical infrastructure behind the scenes. But it, you know, the, 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 what's hilarious to me is that you had sites like ShareYourWorld.com and GeoCities back in the late 90s that are essentially what we have today. ShareYourWorld.com was just YouTube before there was YouTube. Uh, and so there's a lot of instances of, of having like these precursor sites that just were kind of ugly and janky looking. Uh, that got replaced by the, the nicer and shinier ones. So that was the first big change. And the second big change was the companies got greedy and, you know, they all went public and had all the advertisers dumping money into them. And so more and more socials become uh, a paid channel that benefits the already wealthier benefits celebrities than it, than it does the, uh, the little guy. Sure. So from a writing aspect, it sounds like you've been kind of writing all along. Was that something that you always had an interest in or you just kind of picked up a skill over kind of necessity having to to produce these articles over the years? Yeah, so it was definitely necessity because for me, I always wanted to be a stand-up comedian and uh, I was very young and so I wasn't allowed in, in New York because the United States are drinking age is 21 and in New York, you're not allowed to even be in a bar if you're under 21. Like, they'll kick you right out. And so what was happening was I was going to the bars and saying, hey, you're booking these comedians. Can I play? You know, can I come and uh, do my five minutes? And they would say no. And so I said, (laughs) all right, if I rent out your bar, 
and host my own evening could i could i go and do my comedy he said yeah of course if you give us the money you can do whatever you want uh, and by, you know, just by virtue of like being in high school and being in college and not having money, I had to use something to promote the show. And so it was always here and that, you know, it was, it was Friendster and it was MySpace and then it was Facebook. And those tools, what, what seems to happen is that they're very effective for quite a, a while. And then as they get larger, they become less and less effective. And that's where you start to have to uh, dump money into it to get the same results. Mm. And so, yeah, very early on, I was all over MySpace. Uh, I figured out how their algorithm worked, uh, which was actually really dumb. Like, it wasn't sophisticated at all. <laughs> it was just essentially based on page views. You know, the person who got the most page views to their profile won. So I would just spend hours uh, trolling profiles in New York saying, hey, you know, I'm a comedian. Here's some of my stuff. You should come check it out. Leading up to releasing this book, and writing articles and articles over the years. Like, were you always a natural writer, did you find? Or was that a craft you had to... Did you have to build up that skill as well? Yeah, for sure. I started writing, like, in elementary school, which sounds absolutely ridiculous when I say it out loud. <laughs> but I knew very early on that this was the thing that I was attracted to. This would be a good creative outlet. So uh, from a very early age, you know, I was reading... Every, you know, I read the Stephen King on writing book and... Uh, all the books that you're supposed to read when it comes to like being a better writer, I, I plowed through all of them over the years and just uh, kept at it. I wanted to write fiction and comic books, truthfully, but you know, like uh, I was married briefly, and uh, during that time, uh, it was clear that fiction wasn't going to pay the bills, and so uh, it, it led me to focus more on nonfiction, which ultimately led to the book. Right. So when you had, you mentioned, I guess, a bunch of articles written that you pulled together for this book, what was the process like of assembling that together and making it into a cohesive single release? Well, social media is bullshit. Uh, is different from the privacy book. The privacy book is, a, is definitely a series of articles where mm -hmm. uh, social media is bullshit. I had to completely rewrite once it got to St. Martin's Press. Uh, so it started as a bunch of articles just sort of detailing you know, uh, things like participation inequality and that on any given internet platform, 1% of the users will do like 99% of the activity on the platform. And then you'll have another 9% that, that kind of gets involved, but kind of doesn't. And then you've got everyone else who just sort of lurks uh, and doesn't do much. And so uh, once those articles were together, I put them together and said, okay, this is a book. And the editor at St. Martin's, uh, his name was Yaniv Soha, was kind of like, uh, no, you don't. <laughs> You've got to completely rebuild this thing. And so that book is a little different in that it's it's definitely something I wrote over the course of a year uh, nonstop. And it definitely, it, you know, it was a series of articles, but then it became like this longer narrative. Uh, so it's it's definitely different from my other books. Hmm. Okay, let's talk about the latest book, Privacy and How to Get It Back. So this seems incredibly timely. I guess, I don't know if you can see the future, but we've just had this huge Facebook Congress hearing and whether or not that's actually raised any issues, it's certainly brought them into the mainstream in a way that I didn't think they were up until that point. Like, I think it's it's made people realize exactly how much of the information is out there. So what was the genesis of this book and how did you become an expert on, on the privacy side of what Facebook and other social media websites are up to? Sure. Well, the, well, the first thing I should say is yeah, I wrote Social Media is Bullshit in 2011. 
Mm. Uh, and so there was a whole lot of me saying, I told you so in 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017. Uh, and I'm going through that right now with the privacy book where it was written in 2015, uh, for the most part. And then I rebuilt it towards the end of, uh, towards the end of 2017 and got a good rewrite. And then that was sort of the book. So I don't think it's, it's predicting the future as much as I, I'm just seeing stuff that people in tech circles yeah. talk about. Uh, but but for one reason or another, it just doesn't trickle out to the mainstream. And I think that what makes these books successful, especially the privacy book, is that I'm not necessarily an expert. But what I do is boil down a really complex topic into like simplistic and funny language that anyone could understand. So like right now, I've got on my desk uh, Hapius Data, which just came out. And um, uh, I think it's Algorithms of Oppression by Sophia Nobel. And uh, both of those books are wonderful, but they're very academic. Academic. They're very dry. They're they're hard for an audience to penetrate. And so for me, I found a nice little space for myself in in taking stuff like privacy and saying, "Well, no, this is this is what's happening," but not necessarily being an expert, just explaining it in such a way that you know your parents can understand. Sure, or me even. <laughs> <laughs> How do you approach those kind of? tech heavy topics with with humor and i guess layman's terms i think it comes in it comes through the research uh so the manuscript for social media is bullshit 25 percent of it uh is research and end notes and interviews that i conducted and scholarly articles that i read through so i do you know i i don't profess to be an expert but i certainly do the work and so once i have a comfortable enough understanding of it that kind of allows me to to go back and write it as if it was funny you know, and, and make it jokey. And so that's sort of the secret is to know this stuff so well uh, that you can insert jokes about being an atheist and, uh, and have them uh, have them blend seamlessly together. Right, okay. And in terms of publishing for both books, was that a challenge or did you kind of have some interest lined up before you were at that point of the process? Well, I was lucky. I've uh, So my entire life can be defined as falling ass backwards into success. Uh, after after long periods of failure, and so that was sort of uh, what happened. Where you know this agent found me, he saw my writing, he's like, "Hey, let's do it." And then the the book got picked up real quick, real quick uh, from the publisher. And then the the privacy book kind of I was I so just by way of background from 2012 to about 2015 or so 2016, I was traveling all over the world and I was speaking about social media is bullshit and this guy calls me out of the blue and he's like hey do you want to write a book about privacy and at first i was like no uh because i knew what you know what i was getting myself into and then he was like oh no i really think you should try it so that sort of again came out of the blue and i, I said yes so it's a small uh it's a smaller british publisher that put out the privacy book but again that also came out of nowhere so uh you know i'm, I'm pretty lucky i guess to, in that extent but on the flip side of things you know with my comics i self-publish all of those so you know i know what it's like to mm. to have to put something out yourself and do all the work on that end yeah it is a lot of work <laughs> yeah um so while i've got you here let's talk a little bit about the content of the latest book uh i've read an article that you put out that was in in my understanding proposing that either facebook should be paying us the users to uh access our or to keep our personal information or we should be paying them to not do so is that basically the, the idea so there's they should give us a user uh, some kind of annual license fee which is not a new idea it's been around uh going back to 2011 with Jerome Lanier and it even goes back 
a little before that to 2000. So that's that's the first part. The other part is just saying, you know, you pay for Netflix. Hmm. So why wouldn't you just pay $9 for a version of Facebook that doesn't stalk you, essentially? And so uh, what's can I, it just one, one thing I want to add is that just today, Facebook announced that they were going to go into cryptocurrency. Uh, and so uh, it's very possible that you could see in the not too distant future some kind of platform on Facebook where uh, they would pay you for your time and attention, which is the other. So in addition to a license fee, it could be that someone says, let's say it's Marvel Comics and they want to target uh, comic book readers. So Marvel could go to Facebook and say, listen, I want to pay these users to stop what they're doing and, and click on my ads or watch a video. Can you facilitate that? And now it sounds like they're, they're putting in the infrastructure to do that. Really interesting stuff. And as far as an overall message from the privacy book, is is there one in there or is it kind of just like making people aware of issues that are present now and could be present in the future? Yeah, no, I think it's definitely more of an informational book than it is. I mean, I have suggestions in there, but the, the tricky thing is that I have a worldwide audience and so it's, it's going to be different in every single country. You know, I was in touch with... The privacy commissioner in Australia, I was in touch with the privacy commissioner, or I should say the privacy office in Australia and the privacy commissioner in New Zealand. Um, I was in touch with the same, you know, their counterparts in Canada and the United Kingdom and here in the States. And it's different all around, like every country is going to have its own sort of approach to it. So my attitude was, okay, well, I, I'm not going to be able to solve this. Every country is going to have to take their own sort of initiative. But the least I could do is sort of lay out what's happening and why it happens and who benefits. And so that's really where the book falls. Yeah. And so now you're in like the marketing phase of the book, which is a whole new thing. How's that going for you? And, and what's it been like so far? Uh, it's been it's been very tricky for the privacy book because it's not a sexy topic. Uh, the only reason why in the United States, the, the American media was paying any attention to it was because they thought there was a way to get uh, President Trump. You know, they, right. they thought there was another way to say, well, he's he's not legitimate because it was Russians that interfered on Facebook and Facebook got manipulated and that's why people got elected and therefore, you know, we're really angry at Facebook. Uh, so they couldn't separate out those issues from each other. So all of the coverage around Facebook and Facebook being creepy it all involved Russia and Trump. Uh, and then the second that Trump went and did something else that was stupid, which is pretty much every day, uh, <laughs> they, they, they lost interest in Facebook and privacy and went on to something else. So it, it's very difficult. And I found this with social media is bullshit also, where uh, when it comes to the internet, we generally, at least in the States, want to write about it as if it's magic. Hmm. And the second someone comes along, because I'm, I'm not alone. You know, there's, there's a lot of people out there that are like me that write about this stuff that are, uh, I guess you would call them digital skeptics and uh, we, we we all struggle for coverage for a variety of reasons because no one wants to hear it. So uh, I've had to get really creative in promoting the privacy book. I'm on a quest to appear on 10,000 podcasts and uh, yeah, we'll see if that's what drives sales. <laughs> How many are you up to now? I'm getting close to a thousand. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So wow. a lot of them, I've recorded a lot of interviews. A lot, you know, many of them haven't dropped yet. Like they're in the process of yeah. of all rolling out. So uh, yeah, so I, I've done quite a bit, but uh, they're not all out, but a lot, a nice chunk of them are. So it's kind of exciting. That's awesome. I, I thought I was special, BJ, but I'm just one of, uh, one of a thousand. <laughs> well, you certainly, you certainly are. And I'll tell you why. You're the first one in Australia because I got... Uh, uh. I, I was given a, a list for each country. So I, we were talking about this before we went on. But uh, what I did was I said to my friends, you know, look, uh, I am really fighting and scratching and clawing to get 
mainstream American coverage for this book because it's just not it's just not sexy enough to to package into a story. So uh, tell me about the podcast that you listen to, and uh, send me links to podcasts that you will find interesting, and I will I will reach out to all of them. And uh, I've done it so far in every content, and uh, you are the first of the Australian podcast, so I think it's very special. Oh, there you go. There you go. I'm, I'm feeling special again. Thanks a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. So you, you've talked about luck and I guess um, some, some good fortune along the way, but I'm sure there's been a lot of hard work involved in getting to the point you're at, whether it's building up a reputation as an expert in this field or as someone that knows what they're talking about at least, and then being enough of a, a figure to be approached by the publisher that you mentioned earlier, get it, writing the book itself, getting the book out, uh, promoting the book what's been the hardest part of that challenge and that journey for you so uh, there's this old uh, internet philosophy that you're supposed to have a thousand fans have you heard this before uh i don't think so okay so the theory is that you're supposed to if you have a thousand true fans then uh that's all you need to be successful which is bonkers to me like it's only true if you're like Tim Ferriss and you're charging $30,000 or whatever it is, you know, like for consulting. Uh, for the rest of us, you know, I think the number is probably between five and 10. And so the biggest struggle is not only finding those five to 10,000 people, but also maintaining it because over time, you know, people age out or they lose interest mm. or they die. And uh, so every day, you know, I'm constantly fighting and digging to pull in more people and replenish that pool and get it to, uh, whatever the magic number is, and so that to me is is the hardest, the hardest part, and so uh, that's why I'm constantly branching into different things because I find, at least with my audience, you know, if I put out a comic book, the comic book readers go and buy my books. Uh, the reverse is not true, by the way. Like if I put out a book, they don't go and buy the comic. Yeah. Uh, so. I'm constantly reaching out and saying, "All right, well, if I do a comic, if I do this podcast, if I appear here, here, and here." How can I pull in these new people? And so that's that's the hardest thing is just because everyone is doing it. Like you're not the only person that's that's working towards that. So every day you sort of have to outwork the people around you, and in a lot of ways outthink them and be creative and figure out uh, different ways to get people's attention. So that's that's always the tricky part. Yeah, interesting. I just a few weeks ago had Tom Taylor on here, who's written for Marvel, DC, and Star Wars. And nice. He had some really cool advice for for comic book writers. Not not that you probably need advice, but you should check that out if if you have any interest at all. Because oh, I yeah, do. It, I mean, it is yeah, really interesting, like how a comic book writer gets picked up and becomes successful. I guess. I think it's but, I think it's yeah. important to maintain a beginner's mind too. So I, I'm always learning. I think that's. That's something. So I, you know, I will definitely go back and listen to that interview more than a few times because, to me, uh, even if I know a lot, I don't know it all, and so I'm constantly, I'm constantly reading. Uh, right now, I'm reading about four different books at once. Uh, there's this one of them was the Bible. The other was a big book by Christopher Hitchens about atheism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's the art of dramatic writing, habeas data that I mentioned, and then uh, I'm reading a book about the the Bushmen in South Africa. So. I, I have this that's a mix. Yeah, it's it's all over <laughs> the place. And that's that's kind of intentional because I think that's sort of where you find these interesting intersection of ideas that people might not have thought of by kind of throwing everything into this pot. So yeah, I'm always yeah. learning and I, I encourage people listening to to keep that mindset as well. That's cool. And yeah, in, in the same kind of breath, I learn so much from these interviews that I do that, you know, I do like to talk to people from all different backgrounds. So 
a lot of them are from like nerd culture or podcasting or YouTube and video games. But then people like yourself who've written books and experts in, in social media and privacy, like I feel like everyone can take something away from someone who's done what they're doing to a great uh, quality. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think a lot of people uh, it's, you know, it's easy these days to buy, you know, to go into a bookstore and buy a book, right? And think that you know it all. But I, I, I'm convinced that about a good 70% of the battle is actually talking to people, learning from them and, and constantly listening to what they have to say. And we just don't do enough of that. Yeah. So what would be your advice to people who would like to do the things that you've done, whether it's uh, publish a book or to hustle and, and build up a reputation as a expert in some kind of field or maybe both? So I think it's it's sort of like a war on two fronts, right? On, on the first front, uh, you do have to be really good at whatever it is that you're going to talk about. You don't have to be an expert, uh, but but you do you do have to be good. And by good, I mean probably better than the people you're competing with, uh, whenever yeah. possible, or different enough where you're standing out. So for me, with privacy, what makes me stand out is that you read my book, my book, and then you read the other books, and you realize how impenetrable some of the <laughs> privacy books are. Yeah. Uh, and how philosophical they are. Then you've got my book that's making dick jokes and talking about my porn habits, uh, which so it's you know it's funny and exciting. And that makes it stand out. That's what makes it unique. So that's you do have to find some kind of angle that that makes you stand out. But then you also have to understand the ins and outs of your industry. Uh, so that's you know right now I am reading as much as I can about the comic book industry. I, you know every book that's that's come out about the history of the industry. I've read um, biographies on. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby are, are mm. things that I'm reading. Um, how to write comics. I have like seven different books on that one topic. Uh, then I have quite a few just on the business and on the mechanics of uh, when you self-publish a comic. This is what you have to do, and this you know these are all the comic book stores, and this is how they this is how their industry works and how they order comic books every month. And so it's important to understand how the industry works because then when you show up. Uh, you don't just have a product, right? Like you're able to go, okay, I've got the product. I can also sell it. Um, and I'm doing that right now in my comic where, you know, we're going to be printing a bunch and then I know exactly what the next step is. I'm not just standing around and going, okay, the book is done. Uh, t- pay attention to me. That's interesting. Yeah. How long have you been working on the comics? Is that something you've always kind of been into? Yeah, so I, I've been writing really shitty comics on the web since like 2002. Yeah. Uh, and then I just recently put out my first one in November uh, that I felt comfortable enough to, to actually package and sell to someone called Vengeance Nevada. Uh, and then I have a self-help comic book coming out uh, next month because I, I always wanted to write a self-help book, but I, I didn't. Uh, again, you know, we talked about being unique and, and what would make you stand out from the crowd of self-help books. Uh, so my approach was, okay, well, I'm just going to do it as a comic book because that'll, that'll help it stand out. So uh, that's coming out next month called The National Story of Minor Significance. And, and so it's something I've always wanted to do. It's something I, I would love to be a career, but anything that, that's in the creative field these days is uh, notoriously difficult to make a living in. So yeah, I'll probably do that on the side while I'm continuing to, to write and speak and do other things. That sounds like a really interesting approach to, to self-help. I'd, I'd like to see that. Uh, and that probably, yeah, that probably leads me into my final question, which is, uh, if you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Act. Um, act. I would act. Um, because I've always been, I'm one of those people who, I don't know how to describe this without sounding like an asshole. So <laughs> I'm going to apologize in advance. I don't mean to sound like an asshole. Uh, I, I am naturally good 
at acting, but I'm absolutely terrible at the mechanics of it. Right. So if you put me in front of a camera, I I can sell you some shit. But if you're like, all right, BJ, you gotta stand on the mark right here and look into this camera, I am I'm the worst. Like I don't have any conceptual understanding of the stage stage direction or anything else. Um, so if I could do something without failing, that would be it. Like I would I would go and I would act because I know that I'm good at. I just not necessarily skilled enough in the actual trade of it to to make a living. Maybe you should try voice acting. Yeah, I get that a lot. Um, I, it's something I'm really interested in. I'm actually thinking of, uh, so I'm writing a short story on the side and I'm really thinking of doing it as like an audible uh, narration so that you know people can listen to me do the narration, do the people's voices. And I'm, I'm thinking that might be my way in uh, to that industry. Sounds good. I have no doubt that you'll make that work. It seems like everything you've tried up to this point has worked out for you so far. <laughs> Slowly but surely. Uh, yeah, one thing I, I've always wanted to stress to people is that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I've fallen ass backwards into things, but there's there's a lot of time in between uh, when I started. Like, well, you know, I was 18 years old and said, I'm going to be a New York Times bestseller. And it wasn't until 10 years later that I wrote a book and had it published by a big publisher. So, you know, these, these things all take time and you just have to stick with it. Absolutely. All right. Well, any last words about the books? Any last pitches to to listeners, potential buyers? Yeah. Uh, you know, I give away social media's bullshit for free. Uh, so you don't have to pay for that one. You know, if people want to read the privacy book, uh, they can go. They can just go to yourprivacybook.com. And uh, I recommend the Audible version because it's read by the guy who read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Uh, which was 2017's self-help bestseller. Uh, he does the narration for the privacy book, so I highly recommend you you check that out at yourprivacybook.com. And if you'd like a free copy of Social Media is Bullshit, all you have to do is text me. Uh, that's how I interact. I don't really use social media too much. So <laughs> if you want to interact, you know, for obvious reasons, I wrote Social Media is Bullshit. Uh, so if you want to interact with me or get a free copy of Social Media is Bullshit, all you have to do is text me the word SHEET, Rock, spelled exactly as it sounds, like sheet of paper, uh, piece of rock, sheet rock, to 646-331-8341. That number again is 646-331-8341. I want to give a quick shout out to an Australian professional wrestler named Facebook, who I can't tell if she's ironic or not, but like (laughs) her whole character is that she's like a living Facebook and so when she gets the ring, she you know her ring gear has like smiley faces on it, like that you'd see in Facebook. And she pokes people during the match, and I just think that's fucking awesome. So I wanted to just give her a quick shout out. Nice. How do international listeners or national for me, international for you, text you, or is there an email they can or anything yes. like that? Uh, so the country code is one, but yeah. So uh, I've got a lot of people from Europe who are like, "Hey, um, it's way too <laughs> expensive to text you." So yes, you can you can email me at bj at bjmendelson dot com uh, with sheetrock in the subject line, and I'll send you the free book. Fantastic! I'll be doing that as soon as we wrap up here. Nice. Thanks so much for your time, BJ. It's been great to learn about everything you've been doing for the last 15 or 20 years. Yeah, I know. I'm an old man at this point. But but thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being the first Australian podcaster to have me on. It really means a lot to me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for listening and thanks to Audio Technica. If you want to catch BJ on Twitter, he's at BJ Mendelssohn. You can also head over to his website, bjmendelssohn.com, if you want to check out his book. If you enjoyed the show, I'd love to see an iTunes review from you. Head over to 8bit.net slash P-I-W, that's A-T-E-B-I-T, 
And you can find the iTunes link there as well as the rest of the awesome podcast content from the 8-Bit Collective. You can catch me on Twitter at Jono himself. And until next week, keep putting in work.